I'm good. Talk about aviation. <laughs> fingers we crossed. About, we could talk about flying. We could talk about. I don't know why we. Fingers crossed, guys. Okay, so here we go. Uh, so it's been a long time since we've successfully recorded. Um, it, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is inside baseball, but longtime listeners. In in the 15, oh, 15 years we've been doing this podcast, uh, about, it was probably three weeks ago now, was only, I think, the third time that we actually, re- quote unquote, recorded an episode and then the recording was somehow lost, somehow unusable. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a, we, we've had, it's been a while since we recorded because we've had a, just this, this seemingly ongoing string of scheduling challenges and technical problems and equipment failures and snow. And, and so anyways, knock on wood, we're going to do it today. I, I, I haven't, I haven't had any snow. I can't, I can't claim snow. As <laughs> I know. Well, you know, global warming, man, climate change, though, this is the way the weather goes these days. The uh, um, so I was looking at the uh, some sort of weather story, you know, it's like big bad weather coming in the next two weeks, you know, on the on the internet, and I was looking at it more closely, and I was realizing that the big bad weather was to the south of me here, like like the mid Atlantic states. This has been true for the past few years now. There are many periods throughout the winter where the mid Atlantic states get worse weather than we do here in New England. Maybe not temperature-wise, absolutely, but in terms of snowfall and storms and things like that. And uh, so uh, so, well, so my point here, the reason this came to my mind, is that if, if, if North Carolina and even South Carolina have to worry about snow, then you better be watching over your shoulders, Sarasota. That's all I'm saying. Well, I live in well. I don't live in Sarasota, but I live in Florida, and we're always looking over our shoulders. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I know. Huh? <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Yep. So. Uh, yep. 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 For years now, I've been trying not to start our our our, our episodes with a uh, with conversation about weather because people used to yell at us about that. So let's talk about airplanes. Um, Wiley Coyote lands successfully lands his airplane on railroad tracks and then immediately gets hit by a train. Uh, sorry, that is probably, if you did the research, you would discover that that is an episode of, of Roadrunner and the Coyote. All right. The, the cartoon series. All right. And, uh, and, and it actually happened. I mean, in a way, fortunately the guy, I, I think you guys have seen this video, right? David, have you seen the video of the, uh, yes. the, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I had seen the headline and seen the thumbnails of it and I hadn't watched that video until just the other day. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I knew that it came out. Okay. So, I mean, sort of mostly. Okay. Um, but, uh, wow, it was close, you know, I mean, there's a video that we're watching that was, is that was, yeah. Yeah. This video we're watching, it seems that like maybe it was like a, a body camera, uh, thing from one of the police officers and the police officers are 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 trying to wrestle this guy out of the cockpit of an aircraft, a, a uh, I don't know, Skyhawk type, you know, a high. That's why I think it was it. I think, I think it was, was one seventy two. Yeah, because they were trying to wrestle him out of a side door. All right, and uh, they were having they were struggling with it. There was like one or two officers were working on, and you could sort of see in the background one or more officers were kind of looking down the railroad tracks. And I knew what was about to happen because I had seen the you know I'd been spoiled on this whole thing. All right, but I'm thinking, okay, you know, I mean, there's a train coming. I see trains coming all the time. I live next to train tracks, um, and they're wrestling this guy, and the guy's looks pretty beat up. Fortunately, I, apparently he's okay. 
but uh, he, he was a little beat up um, at the at the moment and and they were trying to get him out of the airplane and they literally you know got him free from whatever seat belts or debris or whatever and started dragging him away from the airplane and like two seconds after they cleared the airplane the train comes barreling through I mean it was really close uh, and the train was the train was moving at a fairly good clip I yeah don't know what speed it was running yeah well but it it didn't really even it just kind of shrugged off plowing through this one seven two. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was kind of sad. It, it, you know, um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, first of all, it, it, trains don't stop quickly. I mean, it's like if a train gets going and uh, I don't know what type, whether that was a passenger train or a freight train, it was a freight train. It's really going to take a long time to stop. Um, even a passenger train is pretty heavy. You know, what's there's a famous line from, from the TV show, the West wing where Sam Seaborn is asking questions about a ship that lost its engines and, crashed into the shore uh-huh. he's asking this navy expert um you know how, how do you stop a ship like that and and this woman this navy woman says says how long do you think it would take to stop an a uh uh, uh oh, sorry the engine i don't know the lost the engines but he says if you throw the engines into reverse how long do you think it would take for the ship to come to a halt all right and sam seaboard guesses like you know i don't know two or three football fields and she goes no four miles yeah all right yeah, yeah. um and that's i'm sure the way it is with trains all right i mean i watched i stand and watch these things because they're kind of fascinating to me anyways um and you just think about the mass involved here you know you think about and and they don't stop fast. Yeah, they're just not going to yeah. stop fast. Um, and and then there's some question. David, you were offline. You were saying something about uh, visibility and 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 being able to to see, you know, obstacles on the tracks. What were you, what were you saying about that, David? Oh well, just how hard it is to uh, to gauge how close a train is until it's right on top of you. Yeah. Uh, that oscillating headlight that they have uh-huh. is meant meant to help get our attention. Yeah, it, like says, don't cross this track now. Oops, never mind. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, so so as I said, I, I have a tra- railroad tracks right here in my neighborhood, and they're fairly busy railroad tracks. They carry both Amtrak trains and also um, freight trains. And, uh, you, uh, you know, listeners, you guys and other listeners will, will hear the trains from time to time as they pass by because there's an interesting um, federal law about trains having to blow their horn in a certain pattern every time they are approaching a street crossing. Um, and, and it's doubly bad for me here because um, there are two street crossings a block apart here in downtown Dover. And so that's why you guys hear the horn so often because the train, the train blows its horn twice, regardless of which direction it's going. Um, so the trains go by a lot and I have occasion to watch them and I'm kind of fascinated by them and all that. But here's the interesting, or I think it's interesting, is that to this day, I can't just go and walk across the railroad tracks, all right? Because I was, as a child, I think, this is my theory anyways, I was highly indoctrinated by cartoon physics, all right? The cartoon physics are the character will approach railroad tracks, they will look down the railroad tracks, and there's no train coming. And then they will take one step onto the railroad tracks, and at that instant, a, railroad, a train will come barreling out of the distance and run them down, okay? And, I, and we've all seen that. I think I saw that way too many times in cartoons as a child. And to this day, I cannot cross the railroad tracks without stopping three steps in advance and peering in both directions carefully to make sure that there's nothing coming. And so uh, I crossed the, so uh, 
that's my bias with, with these things. But uh, yeah, yeah but, 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 but that's all, folks. Yeah. <laughs> when I lived in when I lived in uh, when I lived in California, I, I wasn't as close to some railroad tracks, but there were some railroad tracks that went through town as a passenger train. I don't remember whether there was freight trains on that. Oh, this is actually the same railroad tracks that we heard when I would visit Will Hawkins um, at at the Lucky Star um, Tiki Bar. And uh, um, so, what was the story I was going to tell? Oh, I know. So there was a there was a, at one point one of the towns nearby had proposed to allocate a whole bunch of money in order to build a pedestrian tunnel under the railroad tracks. Okay because they said that it's just too dangerous for people to walk across the track. People were like walking along the tracks and crossing the tracks at non-official spots, you know? Um, And I thought that was nuts because first of all, you know, it's like, how hard is it to not get hit by a train? Come on, seriously. Maybe if you're in a car, you might not notice, but if you're walking and you take any kind of precaution at all, you're going to know there's a train coming. Um, I was also going to argue that, that chances are whatever statistical danger crossing the railroad tracks amounted to, that an underground tunnel would probably be statistically more dangerous um, for people alone at night trying to cross through the tunnel on the tracks. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm really, boy, I'm telling you, this is just, <laughs> welcome to the non-aviation podcast this morning. I'm talking a lot. What's going on? <laughs> so we, 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 haven't recorded in like a long time. Uh, and we actually did an entire episode, which was actually a pretty good episode that unfortunately did not get properly recorded. So that was lost. And so we talked about some things, but I don't know how much of that, if any, we want to go back to, um, I don't remember what we talked about. And since there's no record of it, well, there is a record. That's not easy for you guys to see. There is one part of it. I want to go back to, and I'm going to try and maybe scatter these a little bit. Um, so there were some stories we talked to, and they may be old stories and we may return to some of them. I don't know, but we did talk, um, about, uh, some, um, emails that we got from listeners and I never want to let those go by, um, because they're usually very interesting. Um, and I, and I also want to thank people for saying hi. So in no particular order, Let's see. Let's do the first two here. Um, we got. We actually got an audio. I may or may not have inserted these clips into the podcast stream, but um, a a woman by the name of Colette H. Colette sent us two audio messages, which was kind of cool. Hey, this is Charlie Hotel from Kansas. I was um, just calling to let you guys know that I really enjoy your podcast, giving you a five stars, giving you a thumbs up. Um, I really enjoy every time you guys talk about. Kansas and all of the airports around here. Um, I fly out of KTOP. I also fly to Lawrence. Um, I fly to O, downtown Wheeler. I've been to Emporia, Chanu. I love Stearman Field. Every time you mention Stearman Field, I get excited. Um, Colette is... uh... I think she told us in the, I haven't listened to him in a little few days. Um, she, but she's from, oh, Kansas. Kansas that's what it Kansas, is. She's dude. from, that's right. She's How from Kansas. I know, right. I'm sorry. That? But that was uh-huh. the point of one of her messages was that she's from Kansas. And she said she was tickled every time we mentioned a Kansas, Kansas airport, uh, many of which she has uh, flown in and out of. Uh, and she was in the message talking about some of the ones that she enjoyed. Uh, and, uh, um, 
And so that was cool. She's uh, got quite an aviation family, apparently. Um, yes, she very, does. Parents and siblings and boyfriends are all involved in aviation, and uh, she's a, a, a relatively new pilot. Sounded like I think did she tell us her age or not? I, for some reason, in my mind, she did. Yeah, pictured her as mid twenties. Is what yeah, I picture her as. Yeah, but uh, um, so she's a she's a pilot. Um, her boyfriend, I think, is an airline pilot, um, or and uh, and I think a parent or an uncle or something like that were pilots. So, so it's great. Thank you, Colette. Yeah. We appreciate it. That was great. And uh, please stay in touch. Um, and I would love to hear more detail on some of these uh, airports that you're visiting out there. And uh, tell us, uh, you know, in detail about some of your your flying adventures or your family's flying adventures. That would be pretty interesting. Which has the best barbecue? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, she was she was talking. Uh, Dave had taken me to uh, what's the one that we went to that had the great restaurant right on the um, Ponca City. No, Steer, so was it David? Steerman? Was it Steerman Field? Yeah, and that has the great restaurant there with the all the glass and you look out onto the ramp and the and the runway and that was a good one. And she said, "Hanger she, one." She says she goes there a lot, and uh, she mentioned some that I've recognized from David's stories, and some that I hadn't heard of before. Um, so odds are you'll have either heard that her audio just now, or I'll tag it on at the end of the episode. So yeah, send send that to me. I'm curious yeah. where she's going, uh, David. If you click the link in the list, it will take you to a page that has the audios embedded, and you can listen to them at your leisure. Are you doing that? If you click the link, what do you see? Uh, and and folks, by the way, this is in the show notes too. So if you uh, if you want to hear, if you don't hear them, either don't hear them or don't hear them completely in the episode, you can go to the show notes and uh, you can and see these. Um, I just did it, David. If you click the link that's in the show notes, it says messages from Colette H. And there's two links there for audio message one and audio message two, and uh, and you can listen to her. Her messages. She recorded them while driving in her car, and so there's a, a lot of background noise. And so, uh, but anyways, I hear noise in the background. I think David's listening to, to Colette. De- Jeb, while David's listening to Colette, uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Jeb, were you about to say something? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, and then the other one I want to mention now, there's a couple others, but let's do these and then we'll move on, um, is uh, from uh, an email from so in one of the uh, patrons we've been thanking for a few episodes now um, goes by the name of Benu, B-E-N-N-U. Uh, and uh, I got a email recently from actually an old, a, a listener we've known for years, Roy E. Um, and, uh, and, and Roy E. Uh, confesses to, to being Benu. This is his secret identity. Um, I, I actually asked him separately. I said, is it okay if I connect the two? He says, yeah. Ask yeah. He said, he said, yeah, it's okay. Uh, ben, like many of us, he has a, a screen name, a, a, a handle that he uses online and that's Benu. And apparently, and, and you can take a look at the email he wrote. It's again in the show notes, but, uh, he, uh, uh talks about some of his activities in aviation and where the Benu name comes from. And, uh, he asks, let's see now, is it him? I think it's him who was asking this question. where to go here? Uh, yeah, he was asking for some clarity about the difference between Part 91 FARs and Part 103 FARs, and do the two, is one of them superseding the other? For example, does Part 103, which I think of as being um, um, ultralights, are they also ruled by Part 91 rules? Um, like like f- overflight, I think the issue here is overflight of congested areas, developed areas. What's the deal there? How does that work, David? You're the ultralight guy. Well, there, there's uh, 
constraints on where 103 people can fly, uh, airspace rules, and I'm pretty sure populated areas is one of them. Okay. That we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to go there. Sure, but that's a but that's a rule that's specifically part of 103. It's not inherited from 91. It's not like you know the the 103 people also have to abide by 91 rules. Actually, I think that 91 is is uh, is is on its own where this is concerned. It's uh, okay. The airspace rules in 91 apply to everybody. Okay. Jeb, what's your what's your perception? I don't even I don't even have a take. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know one hundred and three at all. I, I know it exists. And I know basically what it does, but this is a distinction I don't I, I can't I can't yeah. judge. Okay. Um, it, uh, well, maybe we'll do some research. I, maybe I, I, will... I just generally would comment. Let me make sure I'm commenting on on. Uh, uh, I, I'm just a little tired though of of. Uh, so many people um, stunting with their airplanes. Oh yeah, uh, without without really what I would call the right training, the right equipment, um, um, these kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get a little—I uh, won't say out of hand, but it's starting to get a little weird. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of these recently myself. Which ones are you thinking of? There's a guy who supposedly wrecked his airplane. Yeah, that what was it? I want to say it's a telegraph. Yeah, bail, it was a tailor. He bailed out of his airplane. I'm not going to get into the details because you know the guy's just seeking attention, and I don't want to give him any. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. I, it just seems a little uh, uh, over the top. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you know, yeah, hold my beer, and uh, uh, you know, uh, or you know. I mean, that's, I'm joking around because yeah. although, you know, beer and airplanes certainly happens, it's not a big deal, but, but people doing reckless things like this with airplanes is definitely an old story, you know, buzzing your, your house. Sure it is. is, you know, is it, it, there's a, there's an element of, you know, um, as you say, hold my beer, just as we would with motorcycles or boats or, or jet skis or, or ATVs or, mm-hmm. or snowmobiles or whatever, um, um, but uh, maybe not in an airplane. I'm just thinking, just out, of, just off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah, it's a bit more dangerous. It's a bit more dicey. Uh, our good friends at General GA News just recently published a picture. So they do this excellent series called Photo of the Day or Picture of the Day, and they, they at the top of their uh, daily email blast, they have a, 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 a usually very interesting or or scenic aviation related picture. Um, and the one one of the ones they did just recently showed a small, um, um, it wasn't an ultralight, but I think it was probably an LSA of some sort. I want to say Zodiac, but whatever it was, um, making a low pass over a waterfall, over the edge of a waterfall. Um, And uh, I mean, they were well within um, um, wing breadth of the surface of the water, according, at least that's what it looked like in this picture. Um, and it was visually a stunning picture. I kept looking at it though, going, that's dangerous. I don't think you should be doing well, it that. Dep- I mean, is this, it depends. I mean, was this just, just some guy out flying and, and got, someone took a picture or was this uh, something it, that was planned and executed people in the, by people who know what they're doing? I don't know for a fact, but the picture was such that it looked like it had to have been set up because the picture was from outside the airplane um, as if 
I don't know where the per, the photo the camera was was perched. There's my train. Can you hear it? Um, yeah. Uh, or or it's possible also that, so there's this gadget you can attach to your airplane now um, that has a camera at the end of a very long pole um, and, um, and, and, and it can extend off and people put them on motorcycles and they put them on bicycles and they carry them around in their hands. All right. Um, And, and the, and the camera is out at the end of this. So, so it's sort of a selfie stick, but it's a crazy sophisticated selfie stick because it's smart about making the stick become invisible. All right. You can't see the stick. And so I've seen aviation. Oh, that explains a couple of things. I've yeah. seen lately. Okay. I, I've seen, I've seen aviation pictures that look like there was taken with a camera that was just in front of and off to the side of the airplane. All right. And it's video, it's moving, you know, they're like, how the heck did they get that shot? And then sometimes you'll see another angle and you'll notice that, Oh, there's this thing's attached to the wing or to the fuselage or however it's attached to. And, uh, and I've seen people do this. So that you can hold, carry these things, and some of them are 360 degrees too, um, so that you can later um, scroll around to get whatever angle you That's want. Just That's just insane. It's amazing. What, what, are, what do these darn kids think of? I know, I know. So maybe that's what how they did this flying over the edge of the waterfall picture. I don't know. Um, I wish I could find it to send it to you guys. Where was it here? Let me think. Yeah, see, it was it was an email, and I'm on a different computer now because. We don't want to repeat of last time. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I you know, would just simply comment that, you know, when you think about it, it makes, you know, perfect sense. Uh, flying close to the ground is a great way to have an accident. Uh, yeah. You know, one thing is, you know, if you make a mistake, you have much less error, uh, mm-hmm. margin for error uh, to deal with. Um, but, uh, um, being that closer to the ground, closer to an obstacle, means you have greater risk of running into it. It's just yeah. that simple. Here it is. Hang on. Picture of the day. Stole, 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 stole. I've never. It's really bad. Bandit River Run. I know. I'm sorry. How do you How do you pronounce it? Teach me this one time, and maybe I'll remember. What? Stole. Is it stole or stall? The how do you? It's an O. Stole. Stole, okay. Uh, like in, okay. Uh, so there's a picture. Look at this. Like, like you stole it. Yeah, I know. I, that's what I was. That's what I wrote down. Uh, our group of stole bandits. Stole bandits fly together regularly. This is apparently in Tennessee. Um, David, you're somewhat you're stomping old stomping grounds. Um, so, uh, it, that, that's not a falls. That's just a rapids. Yeah, it's just a rapids, but it's still it's. But but look at the chat. I mean, it, assuming this hasn't been photoshopped. All right, look at the shadow on the water. He's I, really, I see that. I see he's that. He's really I close to the surface. Yeah, I see so, that. Yeah, I don't know, David. You're pretty quiet. What do you think about all this? I'm not really sure because <laughs> <laughs> you've yeah. done this kind of stuff, haven't you, David? Fess up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I confess. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, I flew for four years with nothing but tennis shoes, flip flops, or sandals from my landing gear. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, you needed to make sure that the laces were tied. Yeah, okay, but I don't know. I would argue that there's a difference because you know when you're flying, and it sounds like you're referring to hang gliding. Um, you know, the, the speeds involved are slower. The the and and the options for you know getting on the ground with not fatal damage are are greater 
options are greater for not, you know, whereas when you're flying this fixed wing airplane, you know, there's no way these, he's not going at least what, 80 miles an hour. And, uh, and, and if he was a tangle with this river at 80 miles an hour, that would be a bad thing. Um, I'm just an old guy and boring, and you know it's like. Well, I well, par- paraphrase something Master Chubbs has said from time to time. Yeah, you, you can do anything with an airplane. Once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully, this guy in the uh, in the uh, what kind of airplane is this? Looks like a fun airplane. I just wouldn't fly it this close to the ground. Um, can you do this? That's that a CH. Yeah, the wow. CH. This is one of the airplanes that they built as a uh, yeah. as a one week wonder at, at Oshkosh right. Um, right. a few years back. Anyways, it's a cool looking airplane. I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, so I, that's why I want to say Zodiac. But Zodiac, David, are you looking at this picture? What kind of airplane is that? Well, it, it could be a Zenith Zodiac, but there's okay. another airplane that kind of built off the same design. That it could be, but it's definitely a stole, a stole machine. But if he gets too deep to that water, it won't make any difference. Yeah, that's what we were he, saying. He doesn't have floats. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not sure floats would solve his problem if he accidentally hits it. But yeah. Um, so, anyways, all right. Moving on. Um, it's another fun to fly, whichever one it is. I've flown them both. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a fun airplane to fly. I. Uh, um, there's another model, um, uh, uh, an LSA that I almost flew. I never got around to flying it years and years ago when I was flying the Gobosh. They had, uh, the, I believe it was a Czechoslovakian um, model that was being sold in the U.S. at the time. Um, and uh, um, it, it had very similar lines, very similar shape. And uh, um, yeah, it does look like fun. Anyways. Uh, another uh, uh, contact from a listener, uh, a bunch of, I don't know, a handful of episodes ago, which, you know, like three episodes ago was probably two years ago now. We've been so slow at getting out episodes. But, yeah, aviation years, yes. Yeah, that's right. And uh, But a few episodes ago, um, I made reference to, uh, or I think we all made reference to uh, a sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, and I believe that I attributed it to... Uh, to uh, Asimov at the time. Ah, uh, that's and, why that's on the list. And we heard from a listener, uh, uh, Malcolm, in Florida. I believe it was Malcolm. What does yes, my notes say here? Yeah, that's Malcolm. What your notes say. Yeah, Malcolm in Florida. Um, I heard. Uh, I, I I don't know if I heard by text message or by by whatever, but uh, he just kind of uh, jumped in and said, "No, not Asimov. You're close." <laughs> I don't know if he said close. I think of them as being close. Apparently, it was uh, um, Arthur Clarke, not not Asimov. Um, another another favorite of mine, Clarke. So, anyways, I stand corrected. It wasn't Isaac Asimov, huh? No, it wasn't Asimov. Asimov did a whole bunch of other things. We're watching Asimov. Okay, no, I was about to stray away from aviation again. Um, Foundation is turning out to be a. Uh, Oh, I was going to say disappointment. That's not fair, um, but it's not what we were expecting. I think if you're a science fiction fan and perhaps a fan of the uh, Foundation trilogy, um, which turned into a trilogy of trilogies, that happens. Uh, anyways, um, I hear Expanse just ended. Jeb, well, it's in its final season. Uh, although I've you know I see uh, clickbait that they're going to get a seventh from somewhere. No, really, I don't, I don't know. I yeah, I. I, I 
um, they put the new episodes out Thursday night at, at uh, uh, zero zero Zulu time. Got it. Um, so to tonight make it, to make it Friday. Yeah, tonight's the the next episode. I, think, I don't know how many more there are. Um, yeah, but they're 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 squeezing and doling them out uh, uh, once a week. Yeah, it's 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 on my list. I hear great things about it. I just have never have never jumped into it yet. One of these yeah, days, I mean, I'm you sure start, to, you got to start at the beginning. Well, yeah, I definitely. That's my nature. I would definitely start at the beginning. I'm not unlike many of the uh, listeners we've heard from who say, "I just discovered your podcast. I started at episode number one." Um, that would be me, quite frankly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. One other piece of mail from a listener. Um, we got an email from listener Bill M. Um, who just wrote in to uh, to uh, recommend us to a, a few years back? You were talking about aviation related movies and TV more than a few years back. It's kind of a regular theme that we Probably return to. Thing, yeah. yeah, he says I ran across one recently. It's RFDS, the Royal Flying Doctor Service, uh, streaming on PBS Passport, um, and I believe PBS Passport is a is a an online network mm-hmm. in another country. I want to say Australia, but I'm not sure. Um, and uh, he says well, that based would on fit with the Royal Flying Doctor Service. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yes. Um, although, might the uh, Great Britain have something called the Royal Flying Doctors as well? I'm not sure. This uh, based... is an Australian-based organization. Thank you. Know. you. There we go. But um, oh, it does say I, that. Right the UK here. may have that. I don't know. Yeah. But this is this is an Australian. Anyways, the the, uh, this, the... Is, this is a this is an Aussie story. The, according to listener Bill M., it's based on the real lives of the RFDS, which are emergency medical staff and flight crews serving the Australian outback. That sounds kind of interesting, actually. That's um, just like 99% of the country. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, and and crazy remote. I mean, we think of parts of the U.S. or other parts around the world of being remote. The, out in the Australian outback is like crazy remote and crazy weather. I saw a story just the other day that uh, – a station out in the middle of the outback of Australia just recorded the highest temperature ever recorded on the surface of the earth. Wow. It was like 50 degrees centigrade or something like that. Okay. Um, You know, and I'm sure that doesn't count like, you know, we're not talking about volcanoes or something like that. We're talking about like, you know, air temperature on the surface of the earth. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, thank you, Bill M for this uh, recommendation. I'm going to try and see if I can find this, uh, RFDS, the Royal flying doctor service, um, on some flavor of PBS is what he says. So yeah, cool. There we go. If you like what we're doing with this podcast, please consider supporting it with a financial donation. As little as a few dollars a month really helps us to do this podcast. You can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Thank you to recent tip jar supporters Michael SM and Michael ST, also John L, Eric P, Lyndon N, and many others. Thank you. Or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via Patreon. Thank you to some of our recent Patreon supporters, Kenyon N, Glenn T, Chris H., Jonathan S., Stephen D., Benu, William H., Jonathan H., Jennifer H., and so many others. To everyone who has supported us on PayPal and Patreon, thank you very much. You folks are the best. For more information about providing automatic monthly support, check out patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. And you can get all this information again by clicking on the box in the right-hand column of the homepage at uncontrolledairspace.com. Thank you so much. Uh, what else? There was this weird ground hold in 
the on the West Coast in the sort of Southern California West Coast. Um, we heard reports of it happening as far south as San Diego, and as far north as like Burbank, um, and uh, and it's and apparently it's. I mean, it, I mean, there's there's various levels of this that were confirmed the, that there was a unexpected ground hold that caused airplanes to be delayed or or uh, for like. 10, 15 minutes at least. This is confirmed. I think I've since seen another story that the FAA has acknowledged what this was all about. Have you seen any of these stories? No, yes, I have no? not. Yeah. I, I have. I have. One story I saw or one item I saw about this was that the ground stop lasted for like three minutes. It wasn't terribly long. Yes, that's true. And the whole thing strikes me as odd. I, I, why are we shutting down West Coast traffic for the? Why are we shutting down West Coast traffic to, to begin with? If not, why not everything? You know, maybe maybe they just didn't get around to that part. But this sounds like it was a training tape or something that got run. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I know that that you know that maybe that's not possible, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like someone just pushed the wrong button somewhere. Um, and um, um, realized now, their error and reset everything and moved on. J- j- it had to do with a launch, apparently, this uh, launch of a North Korean uh, test missile. Um, but it doesn't make any sense that only the West Coast would be uh, uh, in, that, uh, in that mode. It, 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 it just sounds like a hiccup to me. Yeah, I'm searching the web right now. I thought I saw another story um, that where I, I don't know who was the FAA or um, said said it, yeah we did this, do this. It was out of an abundance of caution regarding this. Was all I don't know if we said this out loud. So at approximately the same time was when North Korea did one of these missile tests that they've been doing a couple of lately um, and. Uh, and so people initially were just making the connection and saying, oh, the ground stop was because we were afraid we were being attacked. And, and that's not confirmed. Um, um, but I, I think I saw, and I'm digging for it right now. Um, where did I see it? Because I thought I saw something where it, someone like the FAA acknowledged that they did this out of a sense of caution. It lasted, like, like Jeb said, a few minutes. Well, there's a headline on CNN. Hang on a second. Yeah. U.S. grounded planes as a precaution after a North Korean missile launch. There we go. Um, is this CNN? This is really easy to find. Um, blah, 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 blah. As a matter of precaution, okay. the FAA temporarily paused departures at some airports along the West Coast on Monday evening, the FAA said in a statement. Full, oper- full operations resumed in less than 15 minutes. Um, right. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's not said here – there's uh, a service you can subscribe to. The FAA runs. I, I'll, I'll dig up a link. Um, you can get an email or a text message uh, anytime any covered airport uh, um, at your selection is, is issued a ground stop or has uh, uh, some other uh, abnormal uh, status. Um, that sounds like what this is. And again, it just sounds like... Uh, Again, someone maybe pushed the wrong button. Whether they, whether this was indeed about North Korea's missile test, that just, 
North North Korea hasn't hit anything but the Pacific Ocean with their test, and they're not going to reach the west coast of, of California. What about uh, other uh, uh, locations? I, I don't know. The whole thing is just a mess. It is a bit of a mess, and yeah, I don't know whether it would be interesting to find out what actually happened, if if it's even possible that we'll find out what happened. Well, that's, that's the other you know, thing. Because, you know, Cause, you know I mean, I, I've seen stories where NORAD is... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I've seen stories where NORAD is quoted as saying, we did not raise an alarm, okay? Now, I, and I take those with a grain of salt, because... If NORAD raised an alarm, it would be not be unreasonable for them to not tell us. Um, there's all kinds of operational security concerns in there that uh, are fair. I, I, I don't object to. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so who knows what, you know, it's like, because this is a bad, I, I mean, yeah, they, North Korea can't reach us now, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, but. And, and, and we spend a lot of money to make sure that there are people trying to protect us. And I, I don't know. Well, you know? another, another part of this, though, okay, so the issue of ground stop, that only keeps, that only limits the number of airplanes in the air. What about the ones that are already in the air? Did they have any plan to say anything to them or do something with them? Yeah, I don't know. There is one report that's floating. The, that's the other element that's missing here. Sure. There was one report, and again, this is very isolated, so maybe it's isolated, but there was one report that had some ATC audio that where we heard... ATC telling an, an aircraft in the air to land um, right then. Um, apparently they were, as best I can understand the story, they were maneuvering around the Burbank-Van Nuys area. If you know that area, it's sort of a big valley out there. Um, they were maneuvering, and ATC said, we can't have you maneuvering right now. Please land at Van Nuys. Um, and uh, that's what the audio, that's basically what I heard, or at least read transcripts of. And uh, um, so there was that I, case, I, but that I'd like very more about that. Yeah, I'll find that link and that send it your way. Yeah, there's a I can't remember the acronym, but there's an acronym or a code word that uh, the FAA used to shut down airspace. Uh huh. Again, it, it sounded like someone overreacted and tried and used that code word. Just oh, maybe you know, joking in and maybe in a joking fashion. And uh, oops. It went into effect and oh well, let's put you know get escape on that control control z please yeah okay yeah yeah well then there's the old reliable snafu i'll let you work sure. out the words right you sure. know um but uh okay well there we go we've yeah. solved that problem we solved that problem um um bring on the filibuster with i know too. yeah oh yeah okay there we go thanks you had to go there yeah. uh david have you ever been asked by atc to land I'm sorry. Have you ever been asked by ATC or told by ATC, please land now? No, I've been asked to rebroadcast a uh, an attempt to contact an airplane uh, that wasn't answering air traffic control. And, but no, I'm, well, I take it back. I I took a young lady for a ride. And about the third that, that sounds turn like a, in the pattern, that's, 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 she, she says, "Could we land now?" <laughs> yeah, Jim. I, I I heard what you were about to say, Jim, and I, I it, it struck me that way as I well. I took a young lady for a ride. That sounds like the start of a limerick. I know. <laughs> um, but, I, um, I, I'm pretty sure we've all been told by ATC at one time or another to to leave an area, not necessarily leave the air, but to 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 you know. 
and maybe not so much leave, but don't enter. Right. There's that. Don't uh, enter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and then I've there's been the, working some. Yeah. You've been working some, a yeah. Couple of be- no, 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 doing a couple of beach flights recently. And, uh, which from here means flying about 10 minutes west and then turning to the north and just moseying up the beach mm-hmm. at about eight, 1800 feet. Uh, it must be pretty. And it is, it is. It's, it's, it's showing off to some people, but, uh, um, I always go around the south side of Sarasota's class, Charlie, and then turn north, uh, talking to, uh, uh, I'll get out there over the water before I'll, I'll really dial up, uh, Tampa and let them know who I am, where I am, what I want to do. And they're always accommodating. Um, but coming back, I'll go up, you know, several miles, turn around, come back, coming back. I always wait till I'm, I'm clear of the inner ring of Sarasota's Charlie before I turn back towards uh hidden river. Mm-hmm. And every time I've done that, ATC has said, thank you, thank you, thank you for not making us handle you as a, as a class Charlie airplane. Right. Um, and um, so, yeah, I've been, I, I've been told to leave airspace. I've been, yeah, I've been told to leave class Bravo. Um, um, that was fun. Um, you know, a variety of things like that. Have I ever been told to land? No. No, no. But hang on. Yeah, you buried the lead there. You've been told to leave a Bravo. What happened there? I was in a, I was in the DC Bravo. I had a clearance into the Bravo. Um, I was descending uh, across basically the final approach course for DCA, but uh, trying to get to Manassas from uh, Virginia. I'm sorry, from Maryland, Delaware, and uh, um, got turned over to a new sector. And controller says, fly heading 180. I turn left to 180. And um, a couple of minutes later, he says, you're clear of the Bravo radar service terminate. Have a nice day. Yeah. And uh, I was, you know, okay, sure. Uh, thanks for leaving me out here. Another nothing to work with. But, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think most pilots know this, that, that, that ATC in most cases is not just being, you know, kind of arbitrary here. Um, that They have rules. They have separation rules that they are required to follow. And even though you might be totally safe in terms of distance from other aircraft, when, when you reach certain limits, ATC is required to do all kinds of other things like limiting other aircraft and yeah. c- complicating the airspace. And so, yeah, my story along these lines, I think I've told it before, but I'll, I'll tell it again, is that, uh, is that I was flying through the San Francisco class Bravo one time. Um, I, I was following a route that is a very common scenic route that goes up the center of the San Francisco Bay Peninsula there. The, uh, and, uh, um, and I was clear, I was in the Bravo, I was cleared into the Bravo and I was flying in the, through the Bravo. And at one point they asked me to turn left um, sort of towards the coast. And it was clear that that was because they wanted me to be separated from some other traffic and that was fine. Um, and so I'm motoring along now sort of basically going at 90 degrees to where I wanted to go. And I realized that soon I was going to like reach the ocean, the coast and go out over the water. And so I went, I asked the controller, I said, I said, what, what do you expect in terms of how far over the water am I going to have to go before you can turn me back on course? And he said, he says, you, you may have to go three miles out over the water. All right. And I'm going, okay. Into, my, into myself, I'm going, okay, no, this is not going to work. And so I told the controller, I said, okay, I said, I said, if it's, if, if it's okay with you, I'm going to turn another left 90 degrees. I'm going to, I'm going to bug out of the Bravo right now and get out of your hair. Um, and, and he said, 
yes, that's approved. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's where it really gets interesting. So I did this. So I, I did that. And I'm and I, I don't know if it was before I cleared the Bravo or or um, or soon after I was out. So the way the Bravo is shaped there um, in the San Francisco Bay Area is that along the coast, there are these these shelves that you can get under. You have to go down to about 1,500 feet, but you can basically go along the coast under the Bravo at that one point that's sort of a beam SFO. Um, and then you break out on the other side, and then you've got more height to climb again to, to the Golden Gate Bridge and Alcatraz and all that kind of thing. All right. So that was my plan. I said, I, I'm going to like make a beeline to the edge of the Bravo and get out of the Bravo. Then I'm going to turn sort of north-ish get down underneath the shell, stay out of the clear of the Bravo, but sort of get where I want it to go. So I'm doing this. Um, and as I'm setting up to do this, the controller, I'm still talking to the controller. Maybe it was before he cleared me or maybe it was one, you know, instead he said, thanks, get out of here. He said, are you going to do that? All right. And I said, yeah, that's what I was going to do. He says, okay, good. Thank you. He said, give me a call after you get north of a certain point and I can get you back on flight following. Yeah. And I said, I said, Thank you. Excellent. And so, you know, that was a situation where I sort of knew what the what the, what they were expecting, what they needed for their separation, and and he yeah. seemed to appreciate that. Um, and he offered to help me as a result. So, yeah, it's good to know these local rules. It can help, you know, helps everything. Helps you. Helps you get going where you yeah, want to go. I had a I had a guy. It's been maybe a year or so now. Is coming in, and um, there was a thunderstorm coming up from the south. I was coming in from the north. And it was a matter of who, who was going to get there first. And uh, I knew the minimum vectoring altitude for here um, and uh, asked the guys, you know, maneuver me into the whatever sector it is I need for that minimum vectoring out 1,600 feet. And uh, he says, yeah, sure. Okay. And so I got a vector uh, off in that direction and uh, clear of obstacles and trying to get down as low as I could. But in the set, at the same time, I was also working out with him. Uh, this is a visual approach to a, a non-tired facility that doesn't have a, a, a published instrument approach. So I was kind of rolling my own. And uh, I said, look, if I miss, if I can't get in here, I want to uh, divert to Sarasota. He's like, sure, we got that. You know, uh, we'll, we'll do that. I said, all right. So boom, 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 boom. Can't see the runway. There's too much rain and it's starting to get bumpy. Um, push the panic button, well, panic button, push the, the uh, eject button and uh, bail out of there for Sarasota. But it was all worked out beforehand. Everybody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, that's a big thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. David, do you have any stories about, uh, uh, you know, kind of cooperative working with ATC? And, uh... Oh, a couple. Uh... Pick one. Or not. I'm sorry. Annie, to put you on Annie, spot. Annie, yeah, go ahead, Annie. Annie. Annie and I were in Kansas City. I was in a uh, quiet room at the FBO working while she went to a, uh, a seminar. And we were going to leave for uh, my hometown, Jeffersonville, Indiana, as soon as she was finished. So I picked up flight following before we even got off the ground at, uh, at uh, MCO. And uh -huh. uh, the direct route to Jeffersonville, to Clark County Airport, is going to take us right over, uh, right over uh, uh, St. Louis's airport. Uh, 
Yeah. And I'm at a nice altitude. It's winter time. It's December. Christmas is coming. Everybody's in a jolly happy mood, except the sector controller that happened to be working the, the uh, class B sector that I was going to be flying through. And he, when I got handed off to him, he called me up and he says, okay, I got your contact. Now I need you to turn 40 degrees left. Uh, why? Uh, I don't want you flying over St. Louis airport. Uh, why? Because I just need you to get out of the way. I stopped for a second and looked at the chart and said, your airspace here, the Bravo stops at 10-5. Is that correct? Yeah. Are you going to make the turn? No. What? No. I'm not going to make the turn. Yeah. I had 20 miles to go. I climbed to 11,000 feet and went right over the top of St. Louis Lambert and and then stayed up there because the tailwinds were better. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got handed back to a, a, another controller that wasn't working that airspace, or wasn't working the uh, Bravo, uh, said, said do you have any idea what you just did? Uh, what did I do? Uh, I didn't violate the class B. I didn't get in the way of any traffic. What could I have done? And he goes, you really ticked off one controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So really, uh, that would be the guy that I was uh, uh, talking to. And he goes, yeah, he's sitting two chairs from me. <laughs> he's uh He's, he's used words that I've never heard from a sailor. <laughs> okay. But now I went, climbed up, went over the top, stayed there. Uh, when we were on our way home a week and a half later, uh, I was south of the Bravo. Uh, didn't need to talk to anybody, but I was on flight following and go motoring through. And which controller do I get? Oh, the same guy that was a little bit in a knot over me saying, no, I'm not turning left. I'm going to climb. But of course, yeah. So we motored right through and he, he came on and he says, I don't guess it'd do any good to ask you to turn 20 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> I said, well, are we doing this for something other than procedure? Is there a conflict? Am I going to violate the separation rules? And he goes, no, we just like to keep you little guys out of the way. Yeah, oh, okay. thanks. Bite me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, see, that, that's two different questions, though. Like, the question was, have you ever had ATC thank you for something? Yeah, I know, and, right. Yeah. The other David, question is, have, have you ever had ATC, have you ever managed to anger ATC? And the answer is, oh, let me count the way. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and um, I, I believe there have been uh, cases where you've not only angered ATC, but paperwork has been involved, um, or letters to the, letters to the whatever. Right. Um, I was with a guy that uh, got asked to call the tower when he landed, and this was from a takeoff. He ignored it. Nothing ever happened. I've been told that that's the thing to do. Um, But, um, Diab, I'm sorry, we we cut you off, Jeb. You, you, what was yours? Um, no, I had a, uh, I had a controller uh, make an egregious, what I call an egregious uh, error statement. And uh, uh, I did a, um, 
whatever the I don't know if it's a FOIA or uh, 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 just request the tape, whatever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I got a cassette somewhere laying around here of the audio conversation with that may be what I'm remembering. Um, I may have talked about yeah, that on the podcast yeah, that was, that ten was, years ago. That was a that was a gosh awful long time ago. Is all yeah, I that's what I mean. Remember. That's what I mean. Involved, Anyways, yeah, it yeah. involved Jacksonville Center, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I've talked about that in the past. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Where were we here? I think we've got one. Oh, yeah. It is funny. Funny, though. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, same controller's voice years later. Yeah. I come on the frequency, and um, the controller says, descend and maintain, da 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 da. And I'm like, uh, say again. And the controller says, disregard. The controller remembered the end number. That's, from, you know what, I have a lot. Years ago, years yeah, ago. Yeah, see. And there was a time I thought there were some there were some sectors that had my end number in grease pencil. Well, that's the, what I'm thinking. That's what I'm know, thinking. Console, my, yeah, my local grocery store, you know. my local little supermarket, a neighborhood supermarket here has right by the not door. not quite the same thing as we're talking about, but go ahead. Yeah, has right by the door, has posted a whole bunch of Polaroid pictures of uh, of individuals who are not welcome in the store. And I just, you know, I, I, not that I recognize anybody with there, but I just wonder whether ATC, I don't know whether the, I don't know the ATC computer systems, I can't imagine are sophisticated enough to flag you, your end number years later with a little alert but you never know um so uh okay well, talking to jeb's always such a memorable occasion <laughs> <laughs> I, I can understand why the controller might have remembered that particular yeah. in number yep yeah. yep well anyways yeah. okay hey one last uh one last i'm not i'm not sure but i think i was just insulted i'm not sure <laughs> but by a master it was really very by, well it was i didn't even feel the stiletto <laughs> okay no, uh, one last bit of uh listener uh, uh you know sort of long over overdue listener email here um we've got an email from listener chad b um and uh, let me open this up and see what uh, chad b had oh this is a lot there's a lot going on here i'm gonna uh, let's see if we can figure out what's going on here uh i just listened to episode 1038 down the ga rabbit hole wanted to make a couple comments about uh, regarding vfr flight plans and flight following let's see skim this kind of thing i think what he's saying here uh, so we had sort of alluded to the idea that if you were on flight following and you kind of disappeared that they would put some effort into figuring out where you went to. Um, and Chad B suggests that maybe not as much as we thought that there are more, more systemic challenges involved in doing that. And uh, um, he has some interesting perspective on this. So I, I would invite listeners to take a look at this um, unless one of you guys wants to, to comment on this. Um, he also uh, cautions us to make the distinction between filing a flight plan and activating or opening a flight plan, which is an important thing that yes, yes. I sort of took as granted, but we didn't probably mention it specifically. Um, and there's more here. I, I don't know. Is there any, any part of this you want to comment on? Um, or uh, we could, like I said, it'll be in the show notes. So listeners can read it, read the detail. And uh, yeah. Thoughts. If you want to be found file. Yeah. File and open. 
Yes. And activate. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's close so, it when you get on the ground. Well, of course. And it's so easy to do all these. I mean, by comparison to when we all learned how to fly, it is so easy to do this now um, because, you know, almost everybody files or flies with either foreflight or something like foreflight. Um, and, uh, and, and you can take your planned route out of foreflight and base, I don't know, maybe I'm oversimplifying here, push a button. All right. And it gets filed. And then there's another button you push to activate. And I don't know whether you have to can activate it in the system or whether you need to go on the radio activate it, but it's just not that hard. I don't um, think you can activate a, a VFR flight. Over, okay. Over so EFB. at this time, or as over a class one EFB, let's put it. That yeah. Way. Okay. So, uh, but, but anyway, it, it's so much easier than it used to be. Um, and uh, yeah, like David said, if you want to be found file, I like that. Okay. Anything else, Jeb, any comments on uh, Chad B's uh, uh, interesting Email. No, I've, I've, I, years ago when I was less experienced and a lot stupider, uh, I was flying across country. I'd opened a VFR flight plan. I was also getting flight following. And, uh, as I neared the destination, um, ATC calls and said, Hey, you know, we got a flight plan on you. It's about to expire. It's about to time out. Uh, what do you want us to do? And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I, I I didn't you know and 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 even, especially flight service, that, flight right. service apparently had called them and yeah. um, that's the only way that would really work. And flight service called them to see if I was you know talking to anybody. I don't I don't I, no, I didn't a, understand it at the time. Actually. This was a filed flight plan that had never I'd been activated. V, no, I'd filed a VFR flight plan. I'd opened a VFR flight. Oh, plan. you did. Okay, all right. And uh, I was nearing the end of or maybe I, I maybe so I were, miscalculated or something. I right. Don't know. You, Right. Okay. Hey, so I was talking to flight service. I mean, I'm sorry. I was talking to ATC, getting flight following, and they called me and said, "Hey, you know, we got this expiring flight plan. You want to extend it or what?" And I'm like, "Yeah, well, duh." I wonder if the strip, if you're on a flight plan, does the strip include the end time, whatever they call it? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It depends on the strip. Yeah. Uh, let me get a quick answer. Well, it's one of the blessings of uh, cell phones. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, when when Annie and I made our first flying trip to Sun and Fun, uh, we landed about five minutes before the airport closed for the night. Show hadn't started yet, but the uh, NOTAM was in effect. And there had been a crash at the far end of 927. Uh, and I'm in this... 30 person queue to get to the one payphone that's available so uh, i can yeah. close my flight plan uh-huh when i finally got to the phone it called in and the guy says oh that's a relief stand by i just stopped them from launching a uh a trace on you because uh your flight plan timed out about an hour ago i said uh, man yeah. i've been standing in line the whole time yeah, yeah. He goes, well, next time, start a fire, send up smoke signal. Right. Said, what? <laughs> he said, start a fire and send up smoke signals. This okay, is, yeah, that's going to yeah, be right. really welcome. Now, this here. is an interesting question, though. Does, it, does I know that Oshkosh um, has a, a temporary flight service station there. At least they used to. I don't know if they, they still do They used to. It. They don't anymore. Oh, they don't. Okay. So I guess no. the Sun and Fun wouldn't either. I, I, uh, um, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think they do. Now, let me, let's back up there. I remember there used to be a North 40 and a, and a South 40, 
um, well, there's all kiosks, those briefing kiosks. stations, right? Yeah, the briefing stations. They're, they're um, gone. They don't exist anymore. Right. And there used to be what I can think of as being a flight service station right next to it, sort of in the side of the FAA building there. Right. Now, Right. Um, where you could that go in may and get still, a weather. That, that may still be exist. Right. And I knew you, you could go you're, in there you're and get the a one, Hey, you're the one who was at the last Oshkosh. I wasn't there. I know, you right? Tell me. Well, yeah. I don't know whether I I, – I, I may or may not. I'm sure I walked by that spot. You'd be amazed how little I went indoors anywhere last summer at Oshkosh. But that's I'm another not, story. Um, so, anyways, all right. Well, that's, this is all very interesting. And uh, um, take a look for Chad B's uh, email. Thank you to all these listeners who uh, who send us stuff. We really, we really genuinely love it. I don't know if that comes through i hope it does um it's it's a you know if we got something wrong you know let us know yeah no well truly yes let us know and uh, and tell us if you like stuff and make suggestions and ask us to talk about things um or not talk about things like the weather um but uh, we really genuinely love hearing from our listeners so uh um and i wanted to make sure that i think we've now caught all of both of them both of you. No, we well, really obviously, obviously five because we've got five different emails here from uh, from we've heard from five different listeners here. So, anyways, we love that. Thank you very much. Um, I, you know, I never did get around to asking you. Is there anything you guys want to talk about, or is there? Can we can we just push it off to whenever we do this next? Anything anything pressing um, that's still? I guess not. Huh? Well, five G is five G is getting interesting in a in a macro sense. It doesn't yeah. really affect the. Uh, but it doesn't yeah, really. Which, it, uh, it, now let me just a pilot. Yeah. Let me. So here's my here's my um, TLDC TLDR on on five G and aviation. Um, it's only relevant if you use radar altimeters. Yeah, that's that's generally correct. But a lot of um, increasingly sophisticated systems use. Uh, radar altimeters. Now, I'll hasten to add, or put it another way, uh, the average uh, Part 91 pilot doesn't need to worry about this, except in a macro sense. Right. Okay. Because it's kind of, it's it's on hold, but it's not on hold. There, there's a lot of arm wrestling going on, as I understand it, right? And uh, there is the, the, uh, the FAA has issued a list of 50 airports at which it, it's asking the telecommunications companies to not put in 5g and the reasons for that involve sighting of the 5g um uh, or not energize uh, 5g sighting of the 5g antennas their proximity to the airport the airport's likelihood of of having uh, uh weather and and the operations that uh, uh radar altimeters are required for things like that um, um right it's, it's there's I don't, the whole thing is just a mess, you know, and and it, one agency not doing its job and the other agency having to pick up the slack. Well, it's, it's just a little sad. Yeah. Uh, but No, uh, it is. That's and it's like, topic. I mean, my cynical take on the whole thing is that, uh, um, you know, to the extent you even care about this, you're lucky that it's the mostly the airlines and, and, then, and then the deep pocket, you know, um, um, you know, I don't know what. Well, there's aviation. EMS, there's law enforcement. Right. There's, but see, we're lucky it's that because if this just affected general aviation, all right, the cell phone industry would just roll over we, us and, and it would be over. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, we wouldn't even be talking about it except to the long, late, lamented uh, yeah, exactly. ILS down to 200 feet or something. Yeah. But, so, yeah, anyways. You're absolutely right. All right. Okay. And uh, what else? David, was there anything on the list that you wanted to not skip or can we move on? No. Okay. Okay. Then, 
Knock on wood, I think we did it. It hasn't oh, crashed yet. I did. Yeah. I, one one little thing. I just want to reach out and uh, uh, congratulate Mark Shabel at Sonex on him successfully negotiating a deal to buy the, the company from uh, John Manette. Yeah. And uh, he was an intern on the uh, for uh, EAA before, and then a photographer before he went to work for John uh, many years ago now. And uh, now he owns the company, and they're launching a high wing model, and they've got a, a drone division, and he's going to be a busier boy than he's been for a while. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's Best congratulations to Mark. No, I, I absolutely I concur, and uh, it's a very interesting airplane company. Sonex is, so uh, yeah. All right then. Um, all right, knock on wood. Uh, I think I think it didn't crash, and uh, hopefully it doesn't crash in the next couple seconds while I just wrap this up. Um, thank you guys. It's always a blast to get together and, and chat with you, and uh, today was no exception. Uh, thank you, uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com, and his magazine is on Twitter as AvSafetyMag. You can also find his work at aea.net, abweb.com, and on Twitter, he's Burnside J. And Dave Higdon. Dave's a aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at abbuyer.com, aea.net, and on Twitter, he's Real Higdon. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most places by the all-one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon slash Jack Hodgson. You can find my e-books on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the books section. And you can sign up for the Around the Field email newsletter at aroundthefield.net. David, is there something you want to tell us? Yeah, if you want to live to be as old as Jack, you should fly more because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Just look at Jack. And that's enough. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Shiny side up, folks.